0: Hey everyone! Uh, just giving you a shout out from our home. Some really incredible people. Of course, we have our friend uh, May, who uh, I've talked a little bit about this week from Xinjiang, China, and uh, and then we have and this is really special too, Gordon Hester. Gordon Hester is uh, and and you he does a lot of amazing things, but he's an expert uh, in in the network marketing consultant, professional,
1: yeah, 35 years,
0: 35 years,
1: distributor side, corporate side, industry side, tech side, all, all the different pieces.
0: I never met a more brilliant guy than the guy I'm sitting next to. you need to get you out more. <laughs> well, I tell you what, that's the thing. I, I live in the mountains. What can I say? But, uh, you, but you know, what's interesting is that Gordon, uh, he's worked with some incredible companies and also incredible, um, leaders in the profession. And then of course with the Direct Sales Association along with, uh, you know, he does a lot and today he was actually uh, lecturing uh, in in Knoxville at UT, the University of Tennessee. And so, uh, and today you were talking about what?
1: Um, Originally talking a little bit about direct selling. So I get sent to the universities by the Direct Selling Education Foundation. We have a large initiative where I'm the industry liaison between um, the direct selling and network marketing industry and about 240 academics and academic institutions. So um, the kind of mindset is bring these people in as researchers, as consultants. They bring a new part of credibility, bring new information to us. But more important is to teach the next generation about direct selling and network marketing. So I get the honor of going to schools like University of Tennessee and Florida State Emory University of Texas to teach these kids about direct selling and today I spent a lot of time talking about one component of direct selling which is personal branding which a lot of the kids are really interested in so it was a lot of fun Um, so far we've spoke to over a hundred thousand kids so pretty amazing a lot of fun to be a part of and I, I love spending time with young entrepreneurs so a lot
0: of fun for me isn't that amazing just amazing and so when I found out you know when I talked to Gordon and and I met him through Ray Higdon. Um, I said, you know, you're going to UT in Knoxville. I said, it's not too far from us. So why don't you come over and stay with us? We'd love to have you. And so he came over and stayed. We're so glad he did, but then may, uh, we, we were all talking about, uh, somehow we got on this subject of limiting beliefs. And I guess that's where we're going to go with this and limiting beliefs is really what just empowers so many people in network marketing. And, and I think you had some now may, by the way, again, I'm not going to go through her background, yet, but it, cause it's, I did that on another live, but, uh, you had some questions to Gordon on that. Yes. Yes.
2: yes. So Gordon has an um, amazing achievement in the industry and also, uh, is very inspiring coach, consultant, entrepreneur. And you just told me earlier over the dinner that you change uh, famous athletes life by reprogramming
0: his
2: brain and change his life. I wonder how did you do that? Yeah.
1: So um, we were talking, I remember the conversation started talking about limiting beliefs. Yes. And um, I'm not sure everybody understands what a limiting belief is. Mm -hmm. So maybe to understand what a limiting belief is, you have to understand what a belief is. Yeah. So in the simplest way to understand how our brain works, Mm -hmm. we focus on something and our brain asks a question, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. And what it means becomes a conclusion. It makes a conclusion about what it's focused on. Mm -hmm. And that conclusion becomes how you build a belief. So when we talk about a limiting belief, what we talk about is a conclusion that you've made that doesn't necessarily produce the results that you want. It limits the ability to have success or whatever result you want around that. So it's from a behavioral or coaching standpoint, it's really easy. If I can look at what somebody's focused on, or I can begin to look at what they gave meaning to, I can coach around any of those two things. Mm -hmm. And in neuroscience, there's a term called neuroplasticity, the idea that our brain can be reprogrammed and molded, and that's the way we reprogram it. Mm -hmm. So the situation I was telling you about, um, I had a famous athlete from the UFC. Um, Some of you might have heard of the UFC, some of you might have not. Um, the UFC is a very famous mixed martial arts um, uh, company, uh, the largest in the world. They put mixed martial arts on the map and I used to be in that space. So I was a competitive martial artist. I had my own school. So one day a gentleman comes to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the manager of a heavyweight champion in the UFC. And this heavyweight champion was having a really tough part of his career was losing a lot of battles and everybody thought he was out of shape because he would basically get tired. And he asked me, what do you think about this person? His name is Frank Muir, by the way. And I said, well, Frank's got a coward's mind. And he's coward's like, mind. A coward's mind. He's okay. like, wait a minute, this guy's guy is 6'4", about two, walks around about 270 <laughs> and he has a coward's mind? What do you mean by that? Uh-huh. And I said, well, let me try to explain it this way, the way my coach explained it to me. Uh-huh people have two natures. Mm-hmm. They're either the lion or the rat. And if you think about a lion, they're the strongest animal in the jungle. When they roar, they create fear in everybody.
2: Fear um, like that. Yeah,
1: and that's what Frank was. He's the lion, so when he's in control, unbeatable. Yeah. But sometimes there's a bigger lion, mm-hmm. and then you have to learn how to be the rat. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to survive. Yeah. And so what I told him is, Frank has a coward's mind because he only knows how to be a lion. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how to survive. And so we had this really talk, and I said, you know, because of that, he's dealing with fear. Yes. And fear is, um, so there's two types of fear that exist in the world. Yeah. And I guarantee you, anybody on this, listening to this, has had fear in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you think about fear, it can motivate you, or it can paralyze you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In his case, it was paralyzing to him, because, because he couldn't solve problems, his brain reacted to that. Yes. So if you think about fear... There's two types of fear. Mm-hmm. One is what I call biological fear. Mm-hmm. So Jeff, imagine if I put a gun to your head. Mm. That's biological fear. So it lives in the bottom of our brain in a place called the limbic system in the amygdala. Mm-hmm. And in there, the amygdala is like a panic button. Yeah. So when I get in trouble, mm-hmm. what do I do? I hit the panic button to protect myself. That's the fight or flight. That's how we're programmed. Um, evolutionary programming works yeah. that way. but Not all belief works that way. Mm -hmm. A lot of belief is program belief. And it exists in a different part of your brain, the computer center, which is called the prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it this way, what is a program belief? One that common people deal with is the opinions of others. I don't suspect when you were born and laying in a crib naked, Mm -hmm. you really cared what people thought. Mm -hmm. But now all the time when I'm dealing with coaching, I'm thinking, Oh my gosh you have so many people that are focused on what they can't control and they suffer because of the opinions of others yeah that's a programmed belief that's powerful powerful so the question was how do you solve this Mm -hmm. so um so the interesting part of the story was the next day i got a call from Mm. frank and um as i said frank fights in a cage for a living not Uh, a kind of guy you want to be on the wrong side with
2: no
1: so he called up and he's like hi is this gordon hester and i said yes it's gordon who's this Frank Muir, I heard you think I have a coward's mind. And the first thing I thought was, oh my gosh, I didn't language that very well. I don't want this big guy showing up at my gym. (laughs) Would have been a bad situation. But what he told me was, I understand, but I don't know how to fix this. Nobody has ever seen this in me. They think because I'm a fighter, I'm brave and I don't have fears. And I saw it for what it was. Everybody else thought he was out of shape. So I said, well, this is an easy thing to fix. Yeah. Because if you take an example, um, and I'll use an example in our world, Navy SEALs. Mm. Navy SEALs don't have fear because they're programmed to have an answer to everything. Mm -hmm. So the more you have an answer to things, the more that is programmed in your mind, the belief system, Mm -hmm. the more you can begin to avoid that panic button being hit. Mm. So what I recognized with Frank was he had two situations he didn't know how to solve. Yes. One was if he's fighting somebody and they're stronger than him, he didn't know how to deal with that problem. And the solution is really easy. You create distance. Mm-hmm. So you could be the greatest striker in the world. If you're 10 feet away from me, it really doesn't matter. You can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was he didn't know um, how to put people off balance because power requires um, what we call base, it requires right. a certain connection to the ground, a certain structure to it. Right. So I taught him those two things. I taught him how to create distance, and I began to teach him how to solve the problem of getting people off balance so that he now, when he got hit, he had a program in his brain, a belief system that I can deal with this, here's how I deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I knew if I taught him that, he could avoid a situation of melting down because his body didn't, have, his brain didn't have answers and it would hit that panic button. So after that, he has the biggest fight of his life. Mm-hmm. He, he fought this guy by the name of Brock Lesnar And Brock Lesnar is a pro wrestler. I can't even tell you how big this guy is. I saw him one time when I was at the UFC 100. He walked in front of me. And he's so big, he, like, blocks the sun. Mm -hmm. My guess is he's probably 6'4", 330. Wow. Wow. Oh, except twice as big muscular. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Much more weight.
1: So, Frank, the fight starts. And and Frank's a lot smaller and a lot weaker. Mm -hmm. So, Brock's a bigger lion.
2: Yeah.
1: And, um... So Frank gets in the fight and he gets in trouble and he's in trouble and I'm like, oh my gosh, is he going to remember what I taught him? The programming, the reprogramming of the fear um, so that he didn't hit that fear and he had answers. And it turned out he got through that and he caught Brock Lesnar in a what they call the knee bar, a hyperextension of the knee and he gave up. So he tapped out. He comes out of the, the ring and he walks over to his manager and says, how's that for being a rat? Mm-hmm. And his entire career changed now I share that story because it's the same story for anybody yeah at the end of the day it doesn't matter whether it's fear it doesn't matter what your belief is Um, if my belief isn't creating the results I want then I know that if I focus on something different then I can reprogram my brain because I can give it a different conclusion Mm -hmm. and then I can make the belief even powerful more powerful when I can put it into a different part of my brain, the subconscious, Mm -hmm. so I know repetition. So if I were to say you every day, oh my gosh, you're an amazing person. Oh my gosh, you're an amazing person. At some point, that repetition starts to define who you are. Mm -hmm. Those are what we call core values, for instance, Mm -hmm. core beliefs. The other thing is emotions. So we know that pain and pleasure are emotions that strengthen the power of a conclusion, the power of a belief. Mm -hmm. So anytime I was coaching somebody, even with working with companies, I'm always trying to pay attention to what are people focused on and what meaning are they giving to things because if the meaning doesn't create the results, then I know from a coaching perspective, this is very easy to resolve. Mm -hmm. I can change their focus. How do I change their focus? Ask a better question. Mm -hmm. If somebody's like a good example, oh my gosh, you know, this person doesn't like me and the world's melting down and, Mm -hmm. you know, the economy's horrible and my boss hates me and I'm going to get fired. Just a simple question. Well, what else could that mean? Is this a gift for you to learn and to grow, mm-hmm. to maybe pursue a different direction in life?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Questions is something Tony Robbins taught me that I never forgot. Mm-hmm. The answer is always a better question. So, when you learn how to ask questions to change people's focus, mm-hmm. what you're doing is opening up the possibility of the brain to say, What does that mean? I haven't mm-hmm. seen this question before. And when I create a different focus and then I can create a different meaning, I can reprogram the brain. Right. So, when I look at personal development, to me, it's two things. It is creating an unstoppable mindset. Right. And that is programming belief systems and standards and, and things of that nature. And the other are skill sets, mm. all the skills we need to be successful. Yeah. And so much of the coaching I do, so much of the consulting, because if you think about business, business is people and problems. Mm. And interestingly enough, most problems are people. <laughs> so I'm smart enough to become a behavioralist, and I spent 30 years studying behavior. And to this day, just at the University of Tennessee, I did a sales event and you know, for their top salespeople, there were about 30 of them in the room. And I said, I just wanna tell you going into this, I've never taken a sales class in my life and I built massive sales cultures. I can teach it, I do it well, but the reason is I didn't learn sales, I learned behavior, I learned about people. Mm. So I think when you understand how people work and what they want and how their minds are programmed, and you know how to work around this, you can change anything in somebody. You can change somebody's entire course. One limiting belief can begin to change the entire results and success somebody has. So a good example of where and I'll go back to Tony, he does this through something called the Dickens process.
2: Yeah.
1: And I don't know if you have ever seen the Dickens process, yes, but yeah, I
2: did. You'll be adopted, You should go
1: there. Yeah. So the idea behind it is really brilliant in that you start with a limiting belief. So what is it that you believe that's not getting you the results that you want? Mm-hmm. He knows the power of emotion. And the last time I saw him, he spent about two hours getting people to attach pain to the belief. So he's like, okay, tell me what the consequences are. Now, what's it going to be in one year, in five years, in 20 years?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I saw him do it in Tampa. I must there must have been 2,000 people laying on the ground crying. I never seen anything like it in my what? life. because What was it? This was probably seven years ago. UPW or? I think it was a UPW. UPW. Yeah. Wow, it was so powerful. A powerful. Yeah. So when I saw this, I recognized that's the power of emotion. And when people see that, and then he went back and he goes, what if today changed that belief? And he taught focus and meaning. And when you change that belief, imagine how different life can be. Mm. And you attach them to the benefits. And just like you went through the pain part, now you go through the pleasure part. What will it be one year? How will it change your life? How will it change your kids' life? How you make a bigger impact? How will it help your finances? What will it be in five years? Mm -hmm. And because he uses emotion to cement the process, Mm -hmm. people come away reprogrammed. And so that's the whole concept of how limiting beliefs in the process of this
0: works. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so when we uh, May was talking about UPW, one of Tony Robbins events, we're talking about unleash the power within. That's just, you know, so that's, that's that event. And so that's incredible. And when we think about, you know, like with uh, limiting beliefs that we were just talking about, and, and I use the, that analogy too, when people start getting negative, they tell you, Hey, I'm not getting results. maybe I need to quit. And, you know, sometimes I'll say, well, maybe you do, maybe you do need to quit, but consider this though, before you do. Why did you come here anyway? What did you come here for? You didn't like where you were. You weren't happy where you were. Remember you talked about that. You've been living that way for years. You don't have any money saved. Nothing's happening. It's the same old thing. It's, it's like the the, 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 the mice that's, on the, that's running on the wheel in a cage, right? Okay? it's this, You're going nowhere. You're inside that cage. You can't escape. You can't get out. So if you want to go back to that, do you think you're going to be any happier? Or if that's where you're going to be the rest of your life, are you going to be happy? Of course not. Okay, so you came here for reasons. That's what you got to remember. Instead of focusing on, well, this isn't perfect. This isn't as easy as I thought it was. Um, Or I've tried things in the past, but, you know, I just wasn't good enough. I was always told I wasn't going to be good enough you know these are all limiting beliefs right Right? they are Mm -hmm. and and
1: every limiting belief can be reprogrammed and that's the amazing part of it you just have to know how so kind of the example you gave I had a similar situation I was coaching a really big leader and she would go really quick and then when she would hit a wall Mm. and her pattern was uh, instead of growing I'll retreat and then I'll go do something else Mm -hmm. And rebuild to the wall and then do something else and rebuild to the wall so her life became this constant start and stop process and she never developed anything strong but she had a son that she had a lot Mm -hmm. of that was her love in life so I was like how am I gonna get her over this wall how am I gonna connect her to, to the pain so that she'll jump over the wall to see what's on the other side and I said so let me ask you a question what kind of example are you setting for your son that every time there's an obstacle, you retreat to the beginning. Is this what you're looking to do as a mom? Have you ever thought that by climbing that wall, the example you'll set for him and the difference it'll make in his life? Because this was the most important thing in her life. Finding something that's important to somebody is often the key to getting them to change their behavior. I got her over the wall just by that exercise. And she became the fastest growing leader in that company that year. All
0: because I knew how to get her over that wall and to reshift her. Did she ever say what what that wall was? What was it? I mean, I call that I call that approach avoidance. Approach avoidance. You know, you you come at this opportunity with all your dreams, your passions, your desires, but as soon as you get to that point, and maybe you have things happening, then you avoid it. You avoid it for some reason.
1: Yeah, she was afraid of the unknown and too comfortable with the familiar Ah. and that was the pattern of the limiting belief it worked for her because ultimately whatever she did she was good at and when she reached that point which like oh my gosh I'm going into the unknown I've never done this before just easy to go do something else and do it over again we see this all the time in network marketing people that grow to a point they become fearful how am I gonna get over this wall how am I gonna learn this they start seeing all the obstacles instead of the possibilities so what do they do? They retreat to what they know, they retreat to the known.
2: I have a question. Yes. So they uh, reach this point and then they go back. How did you find this pattern in people? Sometimes, I can, maybe among my team, I cannot see the problems. They cannot see the problems. How did you discover those patterns?
1: Because I always look for a stopping point. So a limiting belief has a consequence. So for her, I was like, okay, you're walking through this. And I always got a call when somebody was stuck. So I'm a problem solver by nature. Why are you stuck? Tell me what that looks like. How did you get here? Um, Why do you think you're stopping? Mm -hmm. So the more I learned, the more I became aware of what that wall was, that obstacle. Mm -hmm. And because I knew how to coach around it, as soon as I recognized the wall, I knew how to motivate her to reprogram to get over that wall. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is recognition of where the pain is. And the process that brings you to the pain and what stops at that point. So I'm always looking at uh, patterns, journeys, um, consequences. So where does the consequence show up? What happened? So uh, I kind of give you another good example Mm -hmm. of like programming. Uh, Habits. Yeah. Okay. So um, everybody's familiar with habits Mm -hmm. form your life. Mm -hmm. They're a big part of your subconscious. Control about 40% of every decision you ever make, even though you don't making them. Wow. And the question is... People have bad habits. How do I reprogramming? Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is your brain doesn't know the difference between a good habit and a bad habit. It only knows routine. Mm -hmm. And the routine of a habit is there's a trigger, a routine, and a reward. So I'll give you the simplest example I can think of and one that I did for myself. Mm -hmm. I I got up every morning and I wanted to have energy first thing in the morning. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What do people do? What's the routine? Coffee. I drink coffee. Everybody drinks coffee, but coffee can be acidic. It's not necessarily the right answer. <laughs> yeah. right. For me, it was, I was taking an energy drink okay. and I, okay. I actually started having neurological effects from the energy drink. Mm-hmm. So I was still gonna get up every day and I still wanted to have energy. Right. The question was, what was the routine? Mm. Because, because I knew the process of that. I recognized I just needed a routine. So what I did to break the habit was I got up every day got on my elliptical at home and drank a liter of water and hydrated myself and even got healthier energy. Mm -hmm. Wow. And this is part of how you reprogram the brain. Everything has a trigger. What's the trigger? Focus. What was the focus? I got up. What's the reward I want from that? Mm -hmm. Energy. Everybody has a reward. Everything you do, you expect a result from it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it's what the routine is that you're often um, changing in the Mm -hmm. context of this. Mm. So in coaching people, whether it's entrepreneurs or network Mm. marketing leaders, I think if you don't understand behavior and how um, the brain works, it's very challenging to learn how to properly coach people. Mm. Even in business, um, so I'm a transformation guy. I transform cultures. The first thing I do is I start, okay, the people in charge, that are ultimately making decisions. How do they think? So kind of, you might have a leader that says, My gosh, I just love people. I can never get rid of people. They're nurturers by nature.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But what happens when you have to get rid of people to save the company? Is that nature or that belief system hurting the company or helping the company? Mm -hmm. In the process of trying to save one, are you losing many? And it takes a different leadership style. So what's different about cultural transformation is I'm not trained to change one belief system of a person. I'm trying to change hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands Mm. it's an entirely different way of changing behavior because I'm trying to change the behavior of a group and and unfortunately because I understand behavior and how all this works I've been fortunately very effective at that Mm. but everybody should be taught how to how their brain works and to reprogram and and I'll tell you this this is the first you know where I started with me Mm -hmm. oh I was like my gosh I have limiting beliefs how do I fix this? Which one did you? You know what? I had fears, yeah. um, and I brought up fear because it was paralyzing me. Mm-hmm. And the fear that was paralyzing me, I was forced into speaking a lot. So I'm on stage a lot. Traveled all over the world. I never wanted to do it. I never aspired to have a career in that. I'm an introvert by nature. Mm-hmm. I was like, I cannot
2: tell you're introvert.
1: Yeah, I'm, most ah. people would think I'm an extrovert, but I'm actually very much <laughs> of an introvert. So. I get up there and at first I'm like paralyzed. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are people gonna think? Mm-hmm. How are they gonna judge me? I don't want people to feel bad about me. <laughs> um, and a lot of people have that problem. So how did I solve that? So I recognize, and everything in life has three choices. Mm-hmm. Acceptance, focusing on what you don't control. So acceptance is the path to conformity. It locks you in a comfort zone. Right when you focus on what you don't control Mm -hmm. what you end up getting so when you focus on what you don't control what you end up having is a path of suffering yeah so what's the answer to growth focus on what you can control so in that situation i was just talking about so we're talking about my limiting beliefs yeah i was like my gosh i actually care what people think and not recognizing there's always going to be a critic i don't care who you are the bigger your brand is, the bigger your visibility, the more critics you're going to have. It's just the nature of how behavior works. Yeah. So I had to train myself where if somebody came up and said, I just got to be honest with you, that hour I spent with you was the wa- the biggest wasted hour I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, okay, well, thank you for letting me know. And the next person came up and said that hour changed my life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My, bro- my brain is programmed where I can't hear the difference in those two things. They, they mean the same thing to me. Because what I recognize is Mm -hmm. all I ever have the power to do, the only thing I control in life is the programming of my brain. Mm -hmm. And if I did my best job, why do I care what the result is? Mm Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, giving your best to things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would tell people, anybody that's listening, find your limiting belief. belief, Mm -hmm. Start paying attention to what you're focused on. Mm -hmm. Start paying attention to how emotions are controlling things and the meanings you give to things and start looking for how you get a different focus and how you develop a new conclusion and start reprogramming your brain. Because I will tell you, and this is, I told these kids this today, it was lesson number one I learned coming out of school. Society doesn't program us for success. It programs us for conformity. Mm -hmm. We are taught to follow the leader. When I grew up, here's what the program was. Get out of school, go to college, get a job, stay with a company for 40 years, get the gold Rolex. Yeah, that's my father. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that world doesn't even exist anymore. So imagine if I follow that conformity, what my life would look like. I remember looking at it at the time, there's two really models that I paid attention, one having to do with happiness, the other with finances. So when I looked at finances, I was like, my gosh, people that follow this path are broke when they're my age. (laughs) I don't want to be broke when I'm in my 50s. I'd like to have a, a little bit more freedom than that. The other thing I recognize is people aren't happy. Yes. And, and I believe happiness matters. Mm-hmm. So I looked for a model to study on that. And there's a model called a U Bend. It's an economic model. And and if you think U-Bend. about a U looks like this, at at nineteen you're at the top of the U. And what that means is you have all these visions and dreams about life. Yes. And you're so excited Mm -hmm. and you begin living life and all of a sudden life teaches you different lessons Mm -hmm. it's like wait a minute i didn't know companies work like this how come they're winning and i'm not when i'm doing the work how come they're getting a reward (laughs) i have a family and it's like wait a minute what's all this responsibility Uh. thing about i didn't know anything about responsibility Mm -hmm. so what they realize is from 19 you begin your happiness drops and it hits a bottom at age 46 and what's interesting about 46 is that's the period where most people are ending their family life Mm. and then what do they do they start saying you know what about time for me to look out for me we talk about midlife crises. that's to me what it's all about Mm -hmm. I'm gonna look out for me and you begin to change how you see the world you begin to reprogram you begin to change your priorities all of a sudden life looks very different So I didn't want that program. I wanted to be happy from the beginning. And I wanted to be successful from the beginning. Mm -hmm. That required me to reprogram how I thought because I wasn't taught by society to think properly. And I I look at network marketing. So often what we inherit are people that are not programmed properly that we have to reprogram. Mm -hmm. And the, the hardest, like we have the ability to do it. The problem is they don't want to, they don't have the discipline. Mm-hmm. But, but I will tell you this about, discipline's an interesting thing because discipline matters for engagement. Mm-hmm. But what controls discipline? Discipline is a function of what's important. If changing my mind is important, I'll find an answer. Just like if taking a product is important mm-hmm. or chasing an opportunity, the more important it is to me, the more discipline follows. Absolutely. And that's what we try to create with people, to create something being important. We talk about somebody's why, are we market hope, around like an opportunity or product, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. We're trying to create something that is so important that people will engage and be disciplined. And so much of all engagement is around that principle. Mm. So there was so much that went on in this. I mean, we could talk about this for Mm. hours.
2: That's amazing because I I actually have been trying to do this with my team. Yes. Uh, When I'm in the same office with my team, and they are very much most motivated and also very self-disciplined, very efficient. And now because, because of coronavirus, people work from home. And one of my designers, he started to get lazy and also not self-disciplined. I'm disappointed at him, but I called him and said, what happened to you? I've already changed your life from where you were to who you are. And now you go back to where you were. I wanted to fire him but I I love this guy. He has amazing qualities, very nice, very kind, but now he's just lazy. Does no one do his job? I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? Cuz I consider myself a life coach. I want to change his life. This for me is a failure is a failure case, right?
1: You can never change anybody's life. That's up to them. So, you don't have ownership of people's decisions. You can only motivate them to do that. Oh. But what in in the scenario you said gave me? Mhm. When you say somebody's lazy, I guarantee they had discipline. Mm -hmm. Now, that discipline might have been to sleep in till noon, to watch TV all day. They still have routines and discipline. It's just the discipline isn't focused on something that's going to produce what they want in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's because ultimately, they look at what you're offering and they say, okay, I have a choice. I'd rather take a nap and do nothing than do what you're offering, which is why you have to raise their excitement and importance of what they're doing mm-hmm. so all of a sudden if he if you could reprogram his thinking yeah. and and so let we'll just take the example if i were taking this it's a guy right yeah and i was like so how's your life work out five years from now by doing this so wh- what is your plan and and he starts to connect with the consequence of this then what happens is he opens his mind back to the possibility of an alternative path
2: i asked that question in the phone he paused and said he didn't say anything and silent. And what did
1: you say when he said silence?
2: He said he was silent, and I was disappointed. I said we talk another time. So mm. I'm seeking your advice. I really want don't want to give up to this guy. Otherwise, I don't have any other choice. But either I change him, either I have to fight him because there was a lot of things he needed to catch up to get it. Done.
1: Yeah, and this is something that I had to learn in life. Um, everybody's journeys goes through ebbs and flows what you might be looking at is a situation where you have the right person and the wrong time mm-hmm. and sometimes what you have to do and i'm sure you've seen this in network marketing i have yep. you have to drip on people yeah. because you never know when the right time is right perfect example. i never give up
0: on people you never yeah
1: and, and that's part of believing in somebody you hear this all the time in network marketing my god you believed in me more than i believed in myself mm. that's that principle of never giving yeah. up and recognizing there's different things going on in people's lives at different times so I just need to stay plugged in. I need to drip on them because I never know when that time will occur when they're ready to go. And like I remember Ray's last event, he was talking about, I think it was some some lady like 17 years in had done nothing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she lit up. Something happened. And because he was engaged, she came in and she became hugely successful mm-hmm. after 17 years of doing nothing. How many people would have waited 17 years. Um, the guy I worked with, Jeff Roberti, yeah. he, he had a girl that he tried to recruit for years. Lauren um, used to be Lauren Slocum, now it's Lauren Love. Super smart, brilliant lady. Worked 17 years, he tried to get her in. She gave him every no you could possibly give him. He finally said, Look, just come to one conference and I'll never bother you again. She comes to the conference. And she came with a list of excuses on why she wasn't going to join. She was just going to put an end to this once and for all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One person on stage had a story uh, that talked to her. Um, it was a child that was sick and how this business changed their life. Mm-hmm. And she had a friend with a child with the same situation. And that once she started crying and she's like, oh my wow. God, this is where I can make a difference just being there at that one moment in time, mm-hmm. she probably has earned, I mean, literally millions of dollars in this industry mm-hmm. would have never earned any of that. If somebody didn't believe in her long enough to keep dripping on her, recognizing mm-hmm. at some point in time, somebody can light up because life does go through ebbs and flows. Yeah. And and, in, and with us, we, we bid in the leadership game. Yeah. Oh my gosh, how many times do we see this? Yeah. You, you don't push people, you follow them in their journey and you try to encourage them. But when they're not ready, when you push them, you know what you do? You push them away. Mm. And the funny thing is, it could be weeks later where something changes and they find somebody else that's it's like, wow, I missed them all because I went about it the right way. Mm. Sometimes there's a patience in things with recruiting that's really important. But I think you'll get it
0: right. I have great faith in that.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Well, I hope you got some value out of this conversation tonight. Anyway, we just wanted to share it. And you know, I want to take advantage of having Gordon here. This is awesome to be able to have him here and share some of his thoughts and his wisdom. And then May, of course, (laughs) as well. She's new to network marketing. She has a lot of questions. And I'm just, I can't see from that distance, but everybody...
2: Have questions. Everybody is saying... Let me see my people Where they have questions.
0: Yes. So I I want to thank all of you for getting on tonight. I do, and I'm going to shut the call now. But anyway, I just want to get... (laughs) That you have a peek of this conversation. You can keep going with yours. Everyone have a good night. Take care.